Chapter Fourteen of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rasco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fourteen. Nana abruptly disappeared. Another plunge, a wild prank, a flight into strange lands. Before her departure, she procured herself the emotion of a sale by auction, sweeping everything off the mansion the furniture the jewellery and even the dresses and the linen figures were quoted the five days produced more than six hundred thousand francs for a last time paris had seen her in a fairy piece melusine at the gaiety theatre that bordenave had audaciously taken without a sou she was there with prilière and fontan her part was a dumb one all show but a real hit three plastic postures of a powerful and silent fairy then in the midst of this great success when bordenave advertising mad was covering paris with colossal posters it was stated one fine morning that the night before she had left for cairo a simple discussion with her manager a word that had not pleased her the caprice of a woman too rich to allow herself to be annoyed besides it was a fad of hers for a long time past she had longed to go and see the turks months passed by she was forgotten whenever her name was mentioned amongst her friends the strangest stories circulated each gave contrary and prodigious information she had captivated the viceroy she reigned in the innermost recesses of a palace over two hundred slaves who said she cut off to make her laugh not at all she had ruined herself with a big negro a filthy infatuation which had left her without a chemise in the midst of the crapulous debauchery of cairo a fortnight later there was a universal astonishment some one swore he had met her in russia a legend gradually developed she was the mistress of a prince her diamonds were talked about all the women were soon acquainted with them through the descriptions that were current without any one being able to give their source rings bracelets earrings a diamond necklace as broad as two fingers and a queenly diadem surmounted by a central brilliant as big as one's thumb in the unknown of these far-off lands she assumed the mysterious radiance of an idol covered with precious stones now she was only mentioned gravely with the pensive respect for that fortune made amongst the barbarians one july evening towards eight o'clock lucy who was driving down the rue du faubourg st honore caught sight of caroline Equet, who had gone out on foot to give an order to a tradesman of the neighbourhood she called to her and at once said have you dined are you free oh then my dear come with me nana has returned the other on hearing this at once got into the carriage and lucy continued and you know my dear she is perhaps dead whilst we are talking dead what an idea cried caroline in amazement and where and of what at the grand hotel of the smallpox oh quite a story lucy had told her coachman to drive quick so as the horses rapidly trotted along the rue royale and the boulevards she related the story of nana's adventure in broken sentences and without once taking breath you can't imagine nana arrives from russia i forget why a row with her prince she leaves her luggage at the station and goes off to her aunt you recollect that old woman good she finds her baby ill with the smallpox the baby dies on the morrow and she has a row with the aunt about the money she ought to have sent and which the other had never seen a sou of it seems the child died of that in short the child was not well fed or looked after very well nana goes off 
puts up at a hotel then meets mignon just as she was thinking of fetching her luggage she becomes very peculiar she has the shivers wants to be sick and mignon takes her to her room promising to look after her affairs eh isn't it funny isn't it strange but here's the best part rose hears of nana's illness is indignant at learning that she's all alone in an out-of-the-way place and weepingly hastens to nurse her you recollect how they detested each other a couple of furies well my dear rose had nana removed to the grand hotel so that she might at least die in a swell place and she's already passed three nights with her and may very likely die of it afterwards it's la bordette who told me all this so i wanted to see yes yes interrupted caroline greatly excited we will go they had arrived on the boulevard the coachman had been obliged to pull up in the midst of a block of vehicles and foot passengers during the day the corps législatif had voted for a declaration of war a crowd poured down from all the side streets and covered the footpaths and the roadway at the madeleine end the sun had set behind a blood-red cloud the fiery reflection of which illuminated the tall windows twilight was coming on a dull and melancholy hour with the darkening avenues which the gas-lamps had not yet lit up with their bright specks and amongst this mass of people on the march distant voices became louder pale faces sparkled with animated glances whilst a deep breath of anguish and of spreading stupor turned all heads there's mignon said lucy he will give us some news mignon was standing under the vast portico of the grand hotel with a nervous air about him as he watched the crowd at the first questions lucy put to him he flew into a passion exclaiming i don't know for the last two days i have not been able to get rose away from up there it's idiotic for her to risk her skin like that she'll look nice if she catches it with scars all over her face it will suit us nicely the idea that rose might lose her beauty exasperated him he would leave nana just as she was not understanding those silly devotions which women went in for but here fauchery crossed the boulevard and when he had joined the others he also anxiously asked for news and then the two men tried to incite each other to go up they were most affectionate to one another now always the same little un observed mignon you ought to go up and force her to come away really you're kind you are said the journalist why don't you go up yourself then as lucy inquired the number of the room they both implored her to induce rose to come down otherwise it would end by their getting angry lucy and caroline however did not go up at once they had caught sight of fontan strolling along with his hands in his pockets highly amused by the different faces in the crowd when he learnt that nana was upstairs ill he remarked with a great display of feeling poor girl i will go and shake hands with her what's the matter with her smallpox replied mignon the actor had already taken a step in the direction of the courtyard but he retraced it and with a shiver simply murmured ah the deuce it was no joke catching smallpox fontan had nearly had it when he was five years old mignon related the story of one of his nieces who had died of it as for faucherie he could talk of it for he still bore the marks three spots which he showed to the others close to his nose and as mignon pressed him again to go up on the pretext that people never had it twice he violently disputed that theory he instanced cases and called the doctors fools but lucy and caroline surprised at the vast increase of the crowd interrupted them look there look there 
what a mob of people the night was advancing the lamps in the distance were being lighted one by one one could however distinguish spectators at the windows whilst under the trees the human tide swelled every minute in one long stream from the madeleine to the bastille the vehicles rolled slowly along a kind of buzz arose from that compact mass dumb as yet assembled together in the idle desire of forming a crowd stamping and excited with the same fever but a huge commotion caused the crowd to fall back in the midst of all the jostling passing through the groups that made way for them a band of men in caps and white blouses appeared uttering this cry to the time of hammers beating on the anvil to berlin to berlin to berlin and the crowd looked on with a gloomy distrust already attracted nevertheless and stirred with visions of heroic deeds the same as when a military band passes by yes yes go and get your heads broken murmured mignon seized with a philosophic fit but fontan thought it very grand he talked of enlisting when the enemy was at the frontier all citizens ought to rise in arms to defend the fatherland and he assumed a posture worthy of bonaparte at austerlitz well are you going up with us asked lucy of him ah oh, no said he not to get ill on one of the seats in front of the grand hotel sat a man hiding his face in his handkerchief faucherie on arriving had drawn mignot's attention to him with a wink so he was always there yes he was always there and the journalist stopped the two women to point him out to them as he raised his head they recognized him and uttered a slight exclamation it was count Mifa who glanced upwards at one of the windows you know he's been there ever since this morning related mignon i saw him at six o'clock he has scarcely moved since at the first words la bordette uttered he came and posted himself there with his handkerchief over his face every half hour he crawls as far as here to inquire if the person upstairs is better and then returns to his seat well you know it's not healthy that room one may love people without wishing to croak the count with upturned eyes did not appear to be aware of what was going on around him no doubt he was ignorant of the declaration of war he neither felt nor heard the crowd look said faucherie here he comes now just watch him the count had indeed quitted his seat and had entered under the lofty doorway but the doorkeeper who by this time had become accustomed to him did not give him time to repeat his question he said abruptly sir she died just a minute ago nana dead it was a blow for all of them mifa without a word returned to the seat his face buried in his handkerchief the others cried out but their voices were abruptly drowned as another crowd passed along yelling to berlin to berlin to berlin nana dead was it possible such a fine girl mignon sighed with relief rose would at last come down there ensued a coolness fontan who was longing for a tragic part assumed an expression of grief his mouth drawn down his eyes turned up to the lids whilst faucherie really affected in spite of his journalistic affectation of ridiculing everything nervously champed his cigar the two women however could not suppress their exclamations the last time that lucy had seen her was at the gaiety theatre blanche also in melusine oh she was grand my dear when she appeared in the midst of the crystal grotto 
the gentleman recollected very well fontan played prince cocorico and their memories awakened they launched forth into interminable details eh in the crystal grotto was she not just fine with her rich nature she did not say a word the authors had even struck out a cue because it interfered no nothing at all it was far grander and she electrified the audience merely by showing herself a form such as one will never see again such shoulders such legs and such a waist how queer that she should be dead you know that over her tights she simply wore a golden sash round the hips which was scarcely sufficient around her the grotto all in glass sparkled there were cascades of diamonds and strings of pearls trickled down amongst the stalactites of the roof and in that transparency in that pellucid spring intersected by a broad ray of electric light she appeared like a sun with her skin and her hair of fire paris would ever see her thus beaming in the midst of the crystal poised in the air like a goddess no it was too stupid to allow oneself to die in such a position now she must be a pretty sight up there and what pleasure wasted said mignon in the melancholy voice of a man who does not like to see good and useful things cast away he sounded lucy and caroline to know if they still had the intention of going upstairs most certainly they were going up their curiosity had increased just then blanche arrived all out of breath and exasperated with the crowd which blocked all the footpaths and when she learnt the news the exclamations recommenced the ladies moved towards the staircase making a great noise with their skirts mignon followed them calling out tell rose i'm waiting for her at once please one doesn't know for certain whether the contagion is most to be feared at the commencement or towards the end fontan was explaining to faucherie a house surgeon i know even assured me that the hours which follow death are most especially dangerous miasmata are expelled from the corpse ah i regret this sudden end i should have been so glad to have shaken her hand a last time what good would it do now asked the journalist yes what good repeated the other two the crowd continued to increase in the flood of light from the shops beneath the dancing sheets of flaring gas one could distinguish a sea of hats drifting in a double current along the footpaths at this time the fever was passing from one to another people joined the bands and blouses a continuous pushing swept the roadway and the cry returned issuing from every throat jerky and obstinate to berlin to berlin to berlin upstairs on the fourth floor the room cost twelve francs a day rose having desired something decent without being luxurious however for one does not want luxury when suffering hung in louis the thirteenth cretonne with large flowers the room contained the mahogany furniture peculiar to all hotels and a red carpet sprinkled with black foliage a heavy silence reigned there broken only by a whisper when voices resounded in the corridor i tell you we've lost our way the waiter told us to turn to the right what a barrack wait a minute let's see room four o one room four o one here this way four o five four o three this must be it ah at last four o one come hush hush the voices ceased 
there was a slight coughing then a momentary pause and the door opened slowly admitting lucy followed by caroline and blanche but they halted there were already five women in the room gaga was stretched out in the only easy-chair one in red velvet simone and clarisse standing in front of the fireplace were conversing with lea de horn seated on a chair whilst before the bed to the left of the door rose mignon leaning against the woodwork of the foot was looking fixedly at the corpse lost in the shadow of the curtains all the others had their bonnets and gloves on like ladies out visiting she only had bare hands and her hair in disorder her face pale with the fatigue of three nights of nursing and there she stood feeling stupid with her features swollen from weeping in the presence of that so sudden death on the corner of the chest of drawers a lamp with a shade lighted up gaga with a brilliant flood of light ah what a misfortune murmured lucy as she squeezed rose's hand we wanted to bid her good-bye and she turned her head to catch a glimpse of nana but the lamp was too far off and she did not like to move it nearer on the bed a grey mass lay stretched out one could only distinguish the golden chignon and a palish-looking spot which was probably the face lucy added i have never seen her since she was at the gaiety theatre in the grotto then rose shaking off her torpor smiled and said ah she is altered she is altered and she returned to her contemplation without a gesture without a word perhaps they would be able to look at her by and by and the three women joined the others in front of the fireplace simone and clarisse were talking in an undertone about the deceased's diamonds now did they really exist those diamonds no one had seen them it was probably all bosh but lea de horn knew someone who was acquainted with them oh some monstrous stones besides that wasn't all she had brought heaps of other riches from russia embroidered stuffs precious knick-knacks a service of gold plate and even furniture yes my dear fifty-two articles some enormous cases sufficient to load three luggage vans it was all at the station ah she had no luck to die without even having time to unpack her things and bear in mind that she also had some sous besides all these something like a million lucy inquired who would inherit it all some distant relatives the aunt very likely a fine windfall for that old woman she knew nothing yet the invalid obstinately refused to have her informed bearing her some ill-will for the death of her youngster then they all pitied the little fellow as they recollected having seen him at the races a baby full of disease and who looked so sad and so old in short one of those poor brats who never wanted to be born he is far happier in his grave said blanche bah and she also added caroline life isn't so pleasant after all gloomy ideas possessed them in the severity of that chamber of death they were afraid it was stupid to remain talking there so long but a desire to see kept them rooted to the carpet it was very warm the lamp-glass shone on the ceiling like a moon in the damp shadow which filled the apartment under the bed a soup-plate full of some disinfectant exhaled a most unsavoury odour and now and again a slight breath of air swelled the curtains of the window opened on to the boulevard from whence arose a dull murmuring sound did she suffer much asked lucy who had been absorbed in the group above the clock the three graces naked and smiling like opera-dancers gaga appeared to wake up ah yes she did 
i was there when she passed away i can tell you that there is nothing beautiful in it she was seized with a shivering fit but she could not continue her explanation a cry arose to berlin to berlin to berlin and lucy who was stifling opened the window wide and leant out on the balustrade there it was pleasant a delightful coolness came from the starry sky on the opposite side of the way windows were ablaze with light whilst the reflections of the gas danced among the gilded letters of the signs then down the street it was very amusing one could see the currents of the crowd roll like a torrent along the footpaths and the roadway in the midst of a block of vehicles and large moving shadows among which the lights of the shops and of the street lamps sparkled but the band that now approached with loud shouts carried torches a ray of red light came from the direction of the madeleine dividing the mob with a trail of fire spreading afar over the heads like the reflection of a conflagration lucy forgetting where she was called to blanche and caroline exclaiming come quick you can see very well from here all three leant out greatly interested the trees interfered with their view at times the torches disappeared beneath the foliage they tried to catch a glimpse of the gentleman waiting below but the projection of a balcony hid the hotel entrance and they could only distinguish count mifa still huddled up on the seat like a dark bundle his face buried in his handkerchief a carriage had stopped and lucy recognized maria blonde another one who was hastening there she was not alone a stout man got out after her why it's that thief steiner said caroline what hasn't he been packed back to cologne yet i shall like to see how he looks when he comes in they turned round but at the expiration of ten minutes when maria blonde appeared after having twice mistaken the staircase she was alone and as lucy questioned her with surprise she exclaimed he ah my dear you make a mistake if you thought he was coming up it's even wonderful for him that he came as far as the door with me there's about a dozen of them downstairs all smoking cigars in truth all those gentlemen were there come for a stroll just to see what was going on on the boulevards they had met together and launched forth exclamations on the poor girl's death then they lapsed into politics and strategy bordenave dagonet la bordette prulière and others had swelled the group and they were listening to fontan who was explaining his plan of campaign for capturing berlin in five days however maria blonde seized with compassion before the bed was murmuring as the others had done poor dear the last time i saw her was at the gaiety theatre in the grotto ah she is altered she is altered repeated rose mignon with her smile of dull grief two more women arrived tatanini and louise violaine they had been wandering about the hotel for quite twenty minutes sent from waiter to waiter they had gone up and down more than thirty flights of stairs in the midst of a host of travellers who were flying from paris in the panic caused by the declaration of war and the commotion on the boulevards so immediately on entering the room they sank into some chairs too fatigued to think of the deceased just then a great noise was heard in the next apartment there was a moving of trunks a knocking about of furniture mingled with a sound of voices uttering barbarous accents the room was occupied by a young austrian couple gagab related that during the death agony the pair had played at running after each other and as there was a door between the two rooms one could hear them laughing and kissing each time one of them was caught well i must be off said clarisse we can't bring her to life again are you coming simon 
they all glanced at the bed without stirring yet they were getting ready to leave they gently smoothed down their skirts at the window lucy was again leaning out but alone a sadness brought a lump to her throat as though a profound melancholy arose from that yelling mob beneath torches continued to pass casting flakes of fire around in the distance the various bands huddled together in the darkness looked like flocks of sheep driven at night-time to the slaughter-house and all that giddiness those confused masses surging like the ocean exhaled a terror a great pity for coming massacres they banished dull care their shouts burst out in the intoxication of their fever rushing against the unknown far away in the distance behind the dark boundary of the horizon to berlin to berlin to berlin lucy turned round her back against the balustrade of the window and looking very pale exclaimed good heavens what will become of us the other women shook their heads they were very grave and full of anxiety about what was happening i said caroline Equet in her sedate way i'm off to london the day after to-morrow mamma is already there preparing a house for me i'm certainly not going to stop in paris to be massacred her mother like a prudent woman had invested all her money abroad one never knows how a war may end but maria blonde flew into a passion she was patriotic she talked of following the army there's a runaway for you yes if they would let me i would dress up as a man and go and shoot those prussian pigs and if we were all to croak what next a pretty thing our bodies are blanche de sivry was exasperated don't speak against the prussians they are men like the others and are not for ever bothering women like your frenchmen they've just expelled the little prussian who was with me a fellow awfully rich and gentle as a lamb incapable of hurting any one it's a disgrace it'll ruin me and do you know if i'm bothered too much i'll go and join him in germany then whilst each had her say gaga murmured in a doleful voice it's the end i've no luck only a week ago i paid the last instalment for my little house at juvisy ah heaven knows what trouble it cost me lily had to help me and now war's declared the prussians will come they'll burn everything how can i commence all over again at my age of course added simone it will be funny perhaps on the contrary we shall do and she completed her thought with a smile tetanini and louise violaine were of the same opinion the first one related that she had had some jolly times with soldiers oh delightful fellows who would do anything for a woman but having raised their voices too high rose mignon still leaning against the woodwork at the foot of the bed made them leave off with a gentle hush they were startled and glanced sideways towards the corpse as though that request for silence had issued from the very shadow of the curtains and in the heavy quiet that prevailed that quiet of nothingness in which they were conscious of the rigidity of the corpse stretched out near them the shouts of the mob burst out again to berlin to berlin to berlin but they soon forgot their fright lia de horn who had a political salon where some of louis philippe's ex-ministers indulged in smart epigrams resumed in a low voice as she shrugged her shoulders what a mistake this war what awful stupidity then lucy at once defended the empire she had been kept by one of the imperial princes for her it was a family matter 
nonsense my dear we couldn't allow ourselves to be insulted any longer this war is the honour of france oh you know i don't say that because of the prince he was so stingy just fancy every night he hid his louis in his boots and whenever we played at bezique he used beans because one day i seized the stakes just for a joke but that doesn't prevent my being just the emperor was in the right Lea wagged her head with an air of superiority like a woman who repeats the opinions of eminent personages and raising her voice she added it's the end they're all mad at the tuileries france ought to have sent them to the right about yesterday rather than the others violently interrupted her she was cracked what was the matter with her what had the emperor ever done to her wasn't every one happy wasn't business in a flourishing state paris could never be livelier gaga flew into a passion roused with indignation shut up it's idiotic you don't know what you're saying i lived in louis philippe's time an epoch of toast and water and sordidness my dear and then came forty-eight ah a fine thing a disgusting time their republic after february i was actually starving i tell you but if you had passed through all that you would fall on your knees before the emperor for he's been our father yes our father they had to calm her then she resumed in a religious outburst oh god give the emperor the victory preserve us the empire all repeated the prayer blanche admitted that she burnt candles for the emperor caroline full of a religious feeling had for two months past gone everywhere that she was likely to come across him without succeeding in attracting his notice and the others broke out into furious tirades against the republicans talked of expelling them beyond the frontier so that napoleon the third after vanquishing the enemy might reign peacefully in the midst of the universal joy that beast bismarck there's a scoundrel for you observed maria blonde to think that i once knew him cried simone if i had only known i would have put some poison in his glass but blanche still feeling aggrieved at the expulsion of her prussian dared to take bismarck's part he wasn't a bit wicked each one had his own duties she added you know he adores women what's that to us said clarisse you don't think we want him do you there are always too many men like him gravely declared louise violaine we had better do without them altogether than have any acquaintance with such monsters and the discussion continued they pulled bismarck to pieces each one gave him a kick in her bonapartist zeal whilst tatanini said in a vexed manner bismarck how they used to tease me about him oh i owe him a grudge i had never heard of him that bismarck one can't know every one all the same said lea de horn conclusively that bismarck's going to give us a good hiding she was unable to continue the other women all flew at her eh what a hiding it was bismarck who was going to be sent back home with kicks behind she had better shut up she was unworthy to be a frenchwoman hush whispered rose mignon feeling hurt at such a noise the frigidity of the corpse again impressed them they all ceased talking uneasy and brought anew face to face with death with the secret dread of evil on the boulevard the cry passed hoarse and rending to berlin to berlin to berlin 
then just as they were making up their minds to leave a voice called from the corridor rose rose gaga surprised opened the door and disappeared for a moment then when she returned she said my dear it's faucherie who is there at the end of the passage he won't come any nearer he is in an awful state because you persist in remaining here with the body mignot had succeeded in inciting the journalist lucy still at the window leant out and she caught sight of the gentleman waiting on the pavement looking up and making signs to her mignot exasperated was holding up his fists steiner fontan bordenave and the others were opening their arms in an anxious and reproachful way whilst dagonet so as not to compromise himself was quietly smoking his cigar his hands behind his back i was forgetting my dear said lucy leaving the window open i promised to make you go down they're all beckoning for us rose moved away painfully from the foot of the bedstead she murmured i will go down i will go down she no longer wants me now we will send for a sister of charity and she looked about without being able to find her bonnet and shawl she mechanically filled a basin with water at the washstand and washed her hands and face as she continued i don't know how it is but it's been a great shock to me we were not very nice to each other well now i feel quite stupid oh i've all sorts of ideas a longing to die myself the end of the world yes i want some fresh air the dead body was beginning to fill the room with a fearful stench there was quite a panic after such a long period of unconcern let's be off let's be off my dears repeated gaga it isn't healthy they left the room quickly throwing another glance towards the bed but as lucy blanche and caroline were still there rose gave a last look round to see that all was tidy she drew the curtain before the window then she thought that the lamp was not proper there ought to be a candle and after taking one of the brass candlesticks from the mantelpiece she lit the candle and placed it on the night-table beside the corpse a bright light suddenly illuminated the face of the deceased it was horrible they shuddered and hastened away ah she is altered she is altered murmured rose mignon who was the last to leave the room she went off and closed the door nana was left alone her face turned upwards in the candlelight it was a charnel house a mass of matter and blood a shovelful of putrid flesh thrown there on the cushion the pustules had invaded the entire face one touching the other and faded sunk in with the greyish aspect of mud they already seemed like a mouldiness of the earth on that shapeless pulp in which the features were no longer recognizable one of the eyes the left one had completely disappeared amidst the eruption of the purulence the other half open looked like a black and tainted hole the nose still continued to suppurate a reddish crust starting from one of the cheeks invaded the mouth which it distorted in an abominable laugh and on this horrible and grotesque mask of nothingness the hair that beautiful hair retaining its sun-like fire fell in a stream of gold venus was decomposing it seemed as if the virus gathered by her in the gutters from the tolerated carrion that ferment with which she had poisoned a people had ascended to her face and rotted it the room was deserted 
a strong breath of despair mounted from the boulevard and swelled the curtain to berlin to berlin to berlin end of chapter fourteen end of nana by emile zola translated by burton roscoe recorded by celine major